Glass Animals is an English psychedelic pop band spearheaded by frontman Dave Bailey. After dropping out of medical school at King's College, Bailey and company were signed to a record label and began writing and touring with Vigor, gaining worldwide acclaim upon release of their first album, Zaber. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. What's up, Jay? What's up, Jesse? This is Roots to Grooves. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Here we are. Seattle, Washington. It's nice and dark. I'm wearing a beanie again. Uh, Been wearing a lot of beanies. I need to. I need a beanie. I need a haircut. I shaved this part of my face, but not this part of my. Yeah. Head. <laughs> Maybe you should go opposite and go uh, bald on top and beard. That's a look. That's a look. That's a look. I think it might be hot in 2021. It might be. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> and, and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So we're talking about glass animals today. Yeah. Glass animals. I have admittedly not heard of them at all before but now we played that intro track life itself i feel like i kind of recognize it or maybe because i heard it a couple of times recently in the getting last familiar couple of days that was off the second album yeah right um uh yeah and we'll get into that later that yeah. was kind of like yeah second album was really good since mm -hmm. i heard that that was a really yeah. good track but um yeah how did you come across them i was living in hawaii and um a girl i was seeing I don't know, we were sharing some music and um, Glass Animals was one of the bands she showed me. Hmm. And it was pretty, it was the first album that I got into and that's the one she showed me and I was like, this is pretty cool. And uh, that was like 2015. Yeah. And so this band's been on my mind for a little while. Yeah. And yeah, I fell in love with especially a couple of the tracks off that first album, um, Zaba or Zaba. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where um, I'm coming from as far as um, my love for this this group. Mm. And uh, and then from there, I kind of started to explore. And, and you know, they're only three albums deep. So they're started in 2010. There's somewhat of a um, still coming into themselves and still figuring it out. Yeah, um, I guess. But, you know, three albums is is nothing to. Well, yeah, I mean, uh yeah, so for me, because I didn't hear about them, and uh, it was your suggestion for us to cover. This was my choice. This is your choice, and uh, and so I did uh, the opposite of what I did for Ariel Pink when mm -hmm. you suggested him, and I listened to his very first album. <laughs> oh right! And then uh, I think during the course of that episode, you was like, "Well, maybe you should start with the the, the most recent thing." So that's mm -hmm. what I did this time around. Okay. I listened to um, uh, their most recent release that came out in 2020. What was that called? Dream Dreamland. Dreamland, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't have said to do that with this group. Yeah, which is so interesting. <laughs> I, I discovered that by myself from having uh, listened to that first album. Didn't quite hit me, uh -huh. and then I went to uh, how to be how how to be a human being. So for you, it kind of yeah. got better as you it, went. It got better the more I went back into their past. <laughs> right. Which is interesting. But, you know. So we, I think we, we, we can kind talk of about that. But uh, sure. yeah. Uh, I, mean, I see it the same way, though. So, uh, and by the way, how long there's a party happening. Yeah, can everybody hear that? Signal Studios right now. It's not, I don't think it's the therapist. Uh, What's her name? I got to know her name or, or meet her uh, someday. Um, uh, I can't say it on air because of uh, oh. confidentiality. Sure, that's, I don't know. that's fair. There's, uh, they are called the Shelterwood Collective, though, is the name of the therapy cool. group. There are many therapists in this building. 
I think everyone, everyone else in this building is a therapist. Um, we could say we are kind of therapists. Yeah, in our musical own way therapy. Well. That, I mean, that's a that's a legit science thing yeah. that has been implemented in yeah. in hospitals and rehabilitation centers. So, I think, right? So maybe I think it's a thing. Maybe just good vibes in this building, and obviously a party happening next door. So. I think they can use a little bit of therapy. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like to party too. We will do. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, so okay, so. These guys are a little bit from your neck of the woods, from the UK? Yeah. Explain to me what's the UK and where, what's Oxford? Oxford is a... Um, can't quite call it a city. It's like a suburb or a borough? It's a town. You know, it's where Oxford University is, right? Right. Um, you know, America has Harvard and Yale. Mm-hmm. England has Oxford and Cambridge. And Oxford, is, isn't that like one of the super old... Yeah, one of one of the oldest, really, if old, not the oldest, yeah, universities. Yeah, one of the most prestigious. There's only really two prestigious colleges, universities in UK. One of them's in Oxford. One of them's in Cambridge. And uh, yeah, Glass Animals are from Oxford. And um, let's talk about their lineup then, because I think mostly like um, it's Dave Bailey, right? Is the is the lead guy? Dave yeah. Bailey. So I mean, yeah. I mean, we'll just say their names real quick, though, yeah. before we get into it. But, I mean, Dave Bailey, yeah. lead singer, guitarist, producer, yeah. um, Drew McFarlane, Joe Seward, mm-hmm. Ed Irwin Singer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, so it's like a four-piece, right? That's everybody? Yeah. So, uh, what do they all play? They got, we got, um, I had it here somewhere. So, Bailey's <laughs> a singer, and he plays, I've, I've seen him play, I think he plays guitar in most of their live shows. Yeah. Joe Seward is... Dave Bailey's good friend. Yeah. Um, I think from childhood and he mm. plays the drums. Right. And then I'm not exactly sure. I don't know as much about Ed or Drew. Mm. I just simply don't know much about them. I think yeah. they either do, they do the percussion and keys and bass. Yeah. So it's an interesting um, uh, project because from, yeah, like you say, they've known each other since they were like 13 years old. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. So they have some history. Yeah. And they ended up going, uh, to university altogether, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Most, yeah, I think mostly. so. Um, and I think most of them graduated. Dave, Dave was like two years behind. Yeah, yeah. The other two or the other three. Um, but it was, uh, I think, the impetus of, of where Glass Animals came from was that um, Dave started to make music um, because he was an insomniac, right? And yeah, uh, he wasn't. He said he he wasn't sleeping well for a few years and yeah. he had nothing else to do but yeah so start creating music in the middle of the night started creating music in the middle of the night and started sharing it with uh his friends as guys that would end up being in the band um and this is what's interesting for me about this project is because it seems like they're a band and they definitely talk like they're a band but but on the other hand dave bailey like pretty much does 90 percent of like producing and writing and performing mm-hmm. on all of the records yeah he's um, he does a lot of the heavy lifting as far yeah. as the the songwriting and producing and coming up with even a lot of the riffs yeah on you know guitar and bass yeah and i feel like yeah he kind of produces it most of the way like 80 percent of the way through the song and has this um sketch or i mean more than a sketch i guess i would say but yeah not not a finalized track but yeah he does a lot of the heavy lifting so it's not a solo project yeah but that is interesting because i'm always super interested in the dynamic of how how people um are able to be creative and who does what in the band and how important is that dynamic yeah um so i guess everybody else in the band the other three joe ed and drew are you know 
pretty okay with how that that dynamic works for that for that for this band it seems like it yeah it seems like dave pretty much does m most of it in his home studio and uh i don't know if this happened on earlier recordings but i think on the last album he said that um you know he once he's got like his demo sketch of the track he'll like bring the other guys into the studio to like listen and sort of put input in but mm -hmm. they don't necessarily always play anything actually on the record but maybe they they kind of you know provide their feedback and stuff like that right so yeah. which is super valuable as a you know your your loved ones around you your confidants like it's important to see what like your your good friends like what do you think of this give me the truth yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where should I go from here? What should happen? Is this good? Is this not good? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and just having that wall to bounce ideas off of is, is super valuable. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find that to be valuable in my own life. Yeah. Even if somebody's not like, give me a guitar part or a, a riff, like just what is this? Tell me what I made. Yeah. Is this any good? Should I go in this direction, that direction? With honest feedback. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah. super valuable thing. So I think yeah. that's a lot of what the the rest of the band provides. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was. Yeah. So he was in college. He was going. He, Dave Bailey was going to school. Medical studies. I was thinking Bailey because um, I just watched that movie. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, and his name was Bailey. I just thought of that. I think it's a Wonderful Life. I don't know if I've seen. I think. Oh. Yeah. Bailey. Anyway, is that the old movie? Is yeah, the one in black okay. and white. Yeah, Although yeah. I watched that on Christmas and I saw it in color. Oh. They, they came out with the version in oh, color, yeah, yeah. which is cool. Isn't that uh, Jimmy Stewart? E. James Stewart. Uh, I don't know. He I'm getting kind of talks like this. No, that's totally right. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's him. Okay, for sure. That's I, my impersonation. That was great. I, I think, never knew that I would do an impersonation. I think that was the first the, impersonation the of anybody anyone's done on the show. That's I, cool. It might be, yeah. You're, okay. the, you're the impression guy. I'm the impression guy. <laughs> so, so Dave Bailey was going to school to be a doctor. Yeah, was it a doctor? Because I couldn't, I, I didn't, they just said medical everywhere. I didn't know if he was actually trying to be a doctor. Yeah, I think I saw an interview and he said he was going to, to be a doctor. Okay. Yeah. So that, you know, hit a mark with me because I was like, okay, that's where this guy gets his dedication from. Yeah. Oops. Um, yeah. So obviously he, you can see he's doing a lot of the work in the band as far as songwriting and producing goes, coming up with these ideas. And like he wasn't just a bum working in a shed <laughs> on... <laughs> in the middle of the night like at his mom's yeah. house like in yeah. like he said in in that song i think okay i yeah. think i think those are some of the lyrics you know uh, is that from the second album yes oh, okay yeah there's a whole story behind that yes so something about a shed yeah. okay okay well, well not that specifically but the concept of the whole album right so we'll get to that cool um so but, he's in college going for a doctor yeah his, his other friends i think joe and maybe the other guys in the band graduated yeah and so they were kind of like yeah. They were starting to come out with these, these these ideas and he was showing them they were kicking it back and forth. Yeah. And they were like, should we do this? Yeah. And I guess they started playing a little bit and uh, somebody saw them who was like Adele's manager or, yeah. or a pr producer or what? So yeah, it was 2010 they decided to form the band to play these tracks live that David created. Yeah. And um it wasn't so basically uh because they are from Oxford and Radiohead are from Oxford as well. Mm. They shared the same uh, debut gig venue. Um, That's cool. Find the name of it. What's the name? Uh, the Jericho Tavern. They played their first gig there. That's also the 
the place where Radiohead played their first That's gig. That's super cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but the drummer, uh, Joe Seward, did said that he's glad that the label owner didn't see them play then because they would have left after 25 seconds is what he said. It was no good. So apparently he didn't think it was so good. Um, so, but I think, you know, he, they kept playing out and about um, in Oxford, maybe in London as well. I'm not sure. But it was at mm-hmm. one of those shows that... Some local spots. Yeah, that um, Adele's uh, producer, Paul Epworth is his name, uh, saw them at a, a show and uh, wanted to put out an EP. And so that's what happened. So he signed them to his label? Signed them to his label, yeah. And to put out initially an EP, which they put out, I think, in 2014? Mm, Um, No, it must have been before that because they're... 2012. 2012? Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, And it was called Leaflings. And it was uh, for one, two, three, four tracks. Mm -hmm. I really love this. Like... um, having listened to their very latest album and not being so hot on it yeah and then going way back in time to this and uh i i thought this was just very original and very obscure and very interesting yeah i agree Um, although i i didn't listen to it as much as i wanted to i i kind of i kind of forgot and concentrated on some of the other stuff yeah um can we can i play a track i would love for you to show me a track off of that um i really like the first track called golden antlers let's check it out let's check it out So yeah, whilst Dave Bailey was studying to be a doctor, he was making music like that when he had insomnia. Because that was all recorded in his home studio, wherever he was. I don't think it was a dorm room. Uh, Maybe it was, I don't don't know. No, I think he he really was living at his mom's house. Really? Okay. In London or Oxford. Got it. Okay. I don't know the difference. I don't know what to say. London slash Oxford. It's uh, 40 miles (laughs) apart. Okay. Yeah. Um, But I mean, yeah, as far as I know, he was living... I think I watched an interview and he was in the area in london mm-hmm. that's safe to say okay i don't want to like yeah. step on anybody's toes <laughs> as far as these cities go or whatever yeah. i don't know if that makes a difference but yeah i think he was living in his mom's house and okay. recording some stuff locally Got it. Okay, um, yeah. in his in his neighborhood basically yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. so i mean i i didn't hear that track up until right then when you played it and that, yeah, yeah. that was super cool yeah um super great yeah there's only four tracks on that ep and um uh, some that's probably like the most catchiest or songy-ish things. Uh, the other ones are a little bit more ethereal and experimental sounding, I would right. say. Um, less vocal and more music. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of textures in there you can hear going on. And even in that track, like, holds a lot going on, I think. You know, totally. But it's great. Yeah. yeah, and I think they kind of, you know, they've been exercising those these patterns and, and what they can do with these ideas throughout their discography. But I guess... We didn't really say at the very beginning what these guys are about. I mean, it's basically, how would you describe it? I would say it's, it's pop. They make like pop, indie pop, yeah. alternative indie pop. It's, yeah. it's, you know, psychedelic maybe. Synthy, synth, psychedelic, indie, synth pop. Yeah, that's the genre I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, that's the, yeah. I don't know. Genres are weird these days. You got to say like five or six different words to yeah, and a lot of artists describe it. Don't like being pigeonholed, obviously. Yeah. But, um, I mean, they, they definitely got a unique sound going on, um, and it's evolved even within these three albums mm-hmm. um, that I can hear. It's kind of a little bit. I don't want to say drastically, but kind of. 
I mean, sure though. If, yeah, when, yeah. if you listen to like, for example, that EP, and then you listen to their discography in order of their releases, yeah, you can hear how they kind of came from a little bit more of an indie place, mm-hmm. indie alternative, and have kind of moved a little bit towards poppier mainstream at their yeah at their their last album, Dream yeah. Land. Yeah, yeah. So, which is fine, which is cool. You know, they're exploring and they're trying to change and evolve. Yeah, which I like. So, um, yeah. So Paul Atworth. Um, uh, producer for Adele uh, formed a record label um, and uh, I think the horrors are on his label as well and uh, I've not heard of them a couple of yeah I think they're a, I thought they were American but they might be a British indie rock band type thing um, and so they just sort of started putting out these EPs and then after that in 2013 they in Europe they put out Black Mambo slash Exus. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they put out another EP with different tracks only in the US called Glass Animals itself. Right. And um, all those yeah. all those tracks that were on both of those albums ended up being on Zaba? I'm not sure. I, don't I think, think at least some of them did. Maybe, maybe some of them, but not, yeah, not all of them. There might be some outliers. I'm yeah. not sure. Fact checkers, listeners. But, um, yeah, we need some help, guys. <laughs> I need some help. There's a lot of music to go through, though. And yeah. you know, a lot of it's super good. But I think some of those tracks ended up on um, later albums. I think Zaba in particular. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they, they came out with these singles and they started to play live and everything. And uh, they, yeah. they did a show on, um, who is this? Um, Late Night with Seth Meyers in yeah. 2014. Yeah. So they started to gain some you know, um, acclaim on blogs and online and yeah. people were starting to, to recognize who these people were and that they were doing something cool, starting to gain a little bit of moment, momentum. Yeah. Um, obviously it helps to be on that label where they're kind of pushing you in a specific direction and helping you get these, um, accomplish these goals, like playing on a cool show, cool yeah. late night show, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know the, the behind the scenes of how that goes down kind of thing. How, right. How they go from, being the small it, it's UK always... band to doing that. But I do know, though, um, Dave Bailey they actually grew up in the US. Oh, yeah, I thought of it kid. during that, that song. It's George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. oh so, okay. Got fun it. fact. Got it, yeah. I digress. Let's go back. Well, you know, there's also a, a famous photographer called David Bailey. Huh? So I'm really trying not to say David Bailey. And I also spelt his name wrong in my notes because... I think I use too many Y's and there's an I. When you say David Bailey, now I'm thinking David Blaine. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're on magic. So now I'm thinking about ice cubes. (laughs) Ice? Standing on plinths. Yeah. Or submerging yourself in water for 20 minutes. Side note. Do you know that David Blaine in London, he did this whole show where he was in a a transparent box. um, uh, Suspended in the air by Tower Bridge. And uh, he was just living in there, in this transparent box. Mm, no, I've not heard of this. And uh, people, when he did it in London, people like took the piss out of him. And one of the people to take the piss out of him was uh, um, Paul McCartney. He, Why? He showed up with a golf club and some golf uh, balls and was uh, mocking them. At David Trying Bates. to shoot at him? Yeah, uh, shoot at him in the box. <laughs> <laughs> From like across on the side of the river or something? Yeah, he was just there with some mates and he was just like... Just trying to hit him. This is the, you know, this is the British things like, you know, That's... this guy's trying to do something cool. <laughs> Let's try and fuck him up. I don't yeah, know. so another cool guy like Paul McCartney, like what is he up to? 
Like he has nothing better to do than shoot golf balls at a guy that's hanging off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're drunk, it sounds like a fun thing to do. It but, does. I would yeah. be down. I, I just I, I haven't come across people hanging off if you're bridges. Like hanging out as often as in London. He's like, yeah, let's go fucking shoot <laughs> golf clubs. Taking a break from the studio session. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so where, where so, did we leave off? Well, so what are we, what are we doing? We're like, uh, 2015 or something. What? When uh, did Zaba come out? Uh, no, that was already before. 2014. But they're, they're gaining acclaim. They put out some EPs. They put out some singles. Yeah. And you're right. Uh, a lot of those, uh, tracks uh, on those EPs, some of them did find its way on, on the album as mm-hmm. well. But it was like weird. It, maybe they were like testing out the market sort of thing. They had a well, different, different yeah. EP for the US versus Europe and then... And then they eventually do the album. I think a lot of this stuff goes under the radar. Like, yeah. you know, they didn't just come out with this great album in 2014. Like, they were putting in work, like, creating these singles and creating and their bands. Yeah, yeah. C- figuring out how to be a band. And I don't think we said, I think, if I'm correct, they, they didn't really know how to play instruments up until they started being a band. And they just oh, yeah. started kind of falling into it. They weren't okay. instrumentalists yeah, from or musicians from, from childhood. Maybe that's why... Uh, Joe Seward said that it sucked for their first show. Yeah, and like, mm, a, a lot of interviews, I, I continue to see him say that, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I um, still don't know what I'm doing. I'm just faking it. Yeah. I still need to learn how to play drums. And you know, I fake it till you make it, though. They're like, yeah. they're obviously doing pretty well. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know. I they they're doing all this work. They're putting in work. They're recording stuff. They're creating their band. Um, yeah. In 2014, they come out with Zaba. Yeah. Zaba. Zaba. So this is the album that this is my favorite album. If 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 you want to listen to these guys, I would start with this album all the way through. Yeah, it's super great. Um, it's psychedelic. It's nuanced. the The songs take you on a journey. Yeah, they, you know, they, it's a it's a nice world that they were able to create, and that's what I yeah. really appreciate about it. Like you listen to it, and it's they take you into this zone. It's it's kind of jungly. Yeah, jungly. I was going to say that it's got some kind of Jumanji vibes or something. Yeah, it does. <laughs> kind of tribal. Yeah. yeah, drum beats. Yeah, um, tropical-ish in a way. Yeah, sometimes. totally. Kind of exotic. Yeah, exotic is a good way to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's deep. It's kind of spacey. It's kind of cosmic. Yeah. Um, it's it's velvety. Yeah. It's lush. Yeah. A lot of synths. Yeah. You know, s- simple seemingly simple stuff going on but it's all to create this nice atmosphere yeah so yeah a lot of native percussion um but the the songs show a lot of emotion yeah the the vocals are super cool yeah he he tends to talk a lot about like the music's pretty chill and cool um a lot of the lyrics are kind of talk about darker stuff a little bit Mm -hmm. i I noticed throughout his discography Hmm. of, of bailey's lyrics um, well, it was interesting you were saying because he said his mum, like, so basically, like, he doesn't write about himself on the first two albums. Mm-hmm. And the most recent one, he's he's writing about himself lyrically. Right. And we can talk about that a bit later. But basically, yeah, his, like, his mum's from, so his dad's Welsh and his mum's from Israel. Cool. Um, and his mum always told him that um, you shouldn't always talk about yourself. It's like it's more interesting to talk about other people. 
Right. And I think he took that to heart and he mentions that a lot about when he t uh, writes lyrics. Mm -hmm. and so he's always writing about characters and other people and he's not writing anything from personal experience or first person sort of thing. Right. Um, That's cool. So at least in the, in the early EPs and the first two albums, that's what he was doing. Um, yeah. So I, but, I, yeah. he seems to talk a lot about uh, food. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. That, that, as I was researching this, it kind of stood out to me. He, a lot of the, the poignant stuff that it's, it's emotional, you know, but he'll yeah. use words like peanut butter. Yeah. Mayonnaise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much I dig that, but at yeah, the same just, time, it's very evocative. It is a strange thing to introduce into I was, the I was, song. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he, in, I think gooey, he talks about that. He says peanut butter. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the association right there. You know, peanut butter is yeah. gooey. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's what he's talking about. But um, yeah, yeah uh, talking about food is interesting because I think, you know, you relate to it so much. We all eat and we all love it. And it's... Well, it's interesting when you think about lyrics, right? And, uh, you know, how... Yeah, I mean, I'm not a lyric writer, but if I was trying, <laughs> if I was trying to write some lyrics, unless I was a rapper, I probably wouldn't mention... I mean, I think rappers can mention anything. It seems you can get away with it if you use it in the right way. Sure. But uh, melodically, is, and as a singer, it feels weird to sort of talk about peanut butter and mayonnaise. That's and that's what I'm saying. Stuff, it's just yeah. kind of, it's, but I mean, you know, credit to him. Like, it's interesting to hear. Yeah. And he says it in an emotional way. Yeah. And so if you can, I definitely feel things. I'm not sure what I feel about it when he's talking about food, but yeah. Yeah. it makes me interested Yeah. for one reason or another. Yeah. So, so credit for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of his, a lot of the lyrics that he he says are kind of seemingly nonsensical sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, like he paints a picture with the words. Yeah. But he's not necessarily even using full sentences. Right. Not that you have to in music for any reason. Yeah. Um, but some it's just like a short phrase, or part of a phrase, you know, a segment of a phrase. Yeah. That's just kind of creates its own little world like okay he just kind of says a couple words says a couple different words yeah and it doesn't form a sentence right but it, it paints a picture in your mind mm. and so i think he, he i think that's kind of what he's going for a lot of the time lyrically mm -hmm. to create an image yeah and create a yeah. create a world yeah. create a vibe yeah, create yeah. um a feeling yeah and an emotion through the through the instrumental with the lyrics on top yeah um, you know, which is great, which is great. It's valid. Yeah. It's a cool style, cool perspective to come yeah. um, to the writing table with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, I picked out like four songs from this album, um, but I've only listened to the album once, so I don't remember what any of them mm -hmm. sound like. But do you, um, you probably don't remember the names, right, of uh, these songs? <laughs> um, I got Pools, Walla Walla. Hazy and Toes. Are you saying those are your favorite ones or what? Yeah, those are the favorite ones I picked out of uh, Zaba. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, standout yeah. tracks on Zaba yeah. for me are for sure Black Mambo and okay. Gooey. Oh. For sure. Those are the ones I fell in love with and like those still, I still play those every once in a while and they still turn me on. Well, let's play Black Mambo then because not only was it on this album, but it was also on the EPs. Yeah. Released, so, so, yeah. This is some of their earlier stuff yes yeah. these are some real monstrous vibes that they create and this is the stuff that i think they're known for and that people go back to them for okay let's check it out 
Sick. Sick. Yeah. Pretty good, right? I like that, yeah. I like it a lot. Vibey. Is that live drums you think or is it program drums? I think I, I think live. Yeah, it sounds live, but I don't know. It's hard to say these days. It's hard to say because you can do very authentic sounding program drums. Yeah. But um yeah. I mean, yeah, I love this album. Zabba. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is where they, they really vibe for me. This hits the spot for me. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wanted to say as well about Dave Bailey. He um, he he grew up in uh, Massachusetts, I think, and Texas. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. So like, because even though they're like a British band, and we say they're from Oxford, like he spent 14 years of his life in America and he said that he was immersed in American pop culture, used to listen to Missy Elliott, Busta Rhymes, Eminem, and the Neptunes, Mm -hmm. like some, like, the people he was listening to. So definitely coming Um, with a little bit of a, you know, hip-hop influence. I think you could hear with that drum beat, for example. Yeah. I don't know, a little bit of hip-hop alternative stuff. As opposed to, I think, um, I was watching a a video of them where they were were talking about where their influences came from Mm -hmm. and kind of where their how their parents influenced them. Mm. And so like for Dave Bailey, for example, I think um, he would listen to the White Album by the Beatles mm. a lot. I think that's one of his favorite albums. Okay. So taking a lot of influence from that, yeah. which is, you know, different dynamic from like Missy Elliott, for example, maybe. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I'm sorry, what's his name? Joe Streamer? Seaward. Yeah. Um, I think his dad would, he would always be playing... Pink Floyd's mm-hmm. Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, yeah. couldn't yeah. think of that huge album yeah. name. Yeah. Um, so, you know, great. I love both those albums as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go back and listen to Dark Side of the Moon again. It doesn't get old. I just. It's I that rem- good. I remember my friend when I was a teenager, he used to listen to that all the time in his car mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'm due for another re-listen yeah. as well so maybe i never i think it's one of those albums you need to put the cans on lay mm-hmm. back listen to it from beginning to end and just chill out and kind of pay attention yeah. and focus on it and yeah, yeah. that'll take you away yeah yeah that will sure. take you away um i can't think of any other albums they were they're in on i should have i thought i wrote those down those are the ones off the top of my head that i saw and there were huge influences on them yeah there are some other ones i think oh i think they did it like a desert island and i think joe oh, yeah. joe picked in Rainbows by Radiohead. Ah. So obviously I'm pretty sure they have a pretty close relationship with Radiohead coming from the same town. Should we play that? You got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can pull a track off that so we can see one of their influences. If anybody hasn't heard In Rainbows, that's one of my huge influences. One one of the most beautiful albums I've ever heard. Uh, and did, which track did he say a track or, um, or do you have a track? Because I haven't listened to this in a long time, actually. In There's a lot of good stuff off there. I don't have yeah. one off the top of my head ready to go. Um, if you want to kill a couple seconds speaking into the mic, I can look up one real quick. Yeah, do that. Okay, we teach can, us uh, something about Zabba that I don't know. Zabba that you don't know. Um, I don't know anything about any of that. I, I, I apologize. Um, I might also just edit this part out. Um, we can just edit it out. Okay. <laughs> Actually, yeah, off the top of my head, um, play Weird Fishes. 
Weird Fishes. Yeah, from if you can pull that one up real quick. In Rainbows. Yeah, Weird Fishes. I oh, think it's okay. slash arpeggi, uh, if that's how you say it. Oh, this is an exciting moment, Jesse. We're about to play Radiohead. This is huge. For the first ever time on Signal. Love and it. And on Roots to Grooves. Love it. Yes. Here we go. Yes, yeah. I love that track. Yeah, me too. I love that album, and I think you could hear a little bit of the influence, you know, for Joe's drumming and Bailey's songwriting and even vocals. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's cool. And then I was thinking, um, while that track was playing, I heard it, or I remembered another album that um, Bailey was. Oh yeah. Um, influenced by, which is "Is This It" by The Strokes, and that's where he was. He would um, play that all the way through, and he would learn all the little solos and. Um, that's one of the big influences on him and one of his, one of the albums he would play all the way through when he was learning how to play and learning how to write. Is that, um, that's not their first one, right? Yeah, that is their first one. Is it? Yeah. Oh, classic yeah. Strokes. Oh yeah. I love that album. Yeah. And that's when I first discovered the Strokes. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. a lot of really bang tight yeah. tracks on that. There's yeah. fun guitars. Yeah. Fun melodies. Yeah. Simple drums. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of punky bass that get that pick and just kind of drive that those yeah, roots. Yeah, Love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, th they hit the nail on the head for me as far as these influences. Yeah. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, Is This It by the Strokes. Yeah. In Rainbows, Radiohead. I mean, those are mm -hmm. White Album. Those are huge for me. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't know. Like I said, hit the nail on the head for me. Yeah. Great absolutely. stuff. Yeah. So you know, I can see where they they were coming from. Yeah. Which is cool. Ooh. Um, and I totally agree with them. Let's uh, move on from Zabba then and talk about their second album. Um, yeah, so they toured that. They toured Hekka for, for Zabba. Hekka? Yeah, Hekka. What's Hekka? <laughs> the, the, non, <laughs> the nicer way to say Hella. Really? I guess. Yeah. I never heard this before. I say it kind of ironically because it's Did funny. Did you make this up or is it? No, I think it's a thing. Okay. It, it's like it. if you're a kid and you don't want to cuss, Hekka. Really? Yeah. Wow, I uh, you've never heard i just learned something i don't know if any i haven't heard it in years i think it's a thing hecka hmm? yeah that's hecka cool <laughs> i'm gonna start saying it now. yeah just use it it's kind of fun that's what i i just say it kind of for fun now even Come though it's, to my party. it's, it's gonna be hecka fun yeah yeah oh, i'm not gonna go to that guy's party <laughs> that's gonna be hecka lame we have ice cream and clowns <laughs> yeah yeah okay. um. pass <laughs> Um, so, you know, what are they doing in between these albums? They were touring. Yeah. Um, I think they were kind of touring extensively. I think they did a lot of touring in the U.S. A lot, yeah. And that seems to be the way I have noticed for a lot of these artists that we talk about is uh, heavy, heavy touring. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. a year on the road. Yeah. Not doing anything else. Drop an album, album, then yeah. tour extensively. Yeah. And these guys have hit the, the, the touring circuit, like... As far as you can go, they played Glastonbury, yeah, um, Coachella. Mm -hmm. I think you know. I don't know all the big ones yeah. in Australia, in the U.S., in the U.K. Yeah. So they've been around the world playing these huge, like the biggest shows there are, basically. And then going on on TV shows like David Letterman and, mm -hmm. and all yeah. that, like uh, part of a tour. I think you know. Yeah, they do that whilst totally. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know whoever their manager is is doing good, putting them to work for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they do that, and then they come out with the second album. What is it called? 
how to be a human being. Yeah. And there's a great story behind this. In 2016, they dropped that. Yeah. The story I heard about this is that um, Dave Bailey uh, had all these characters running around in his mind and ideas for things mm -hmm. and words and that. And so basically he created all these individual characters and gave them all backstories like, you know, where they lived, what they wore, what they were doing, all that sort of stuff. Right. And so... He did that first, and then before they made any music, they hired actors to uh, embody each of these characters. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, and they dressed them, and they built sets, and for each of these characters, and they took portrait photos of each of these characters, and uh, and then they did a final uh, group photo of all of these characters, which is the album cover of How to Be a Human Being. Oh, I thought they put that together in poster superimpose them or something not i don't i'm not saying that's what they did i just didn't know that's oh, yeah. great that's cool and so they created all these characters they did all this photography work all this artwork first and then they went and made the music that was first <laughs> yeah. before the music was made okay before the music was made yeah and then they went and uh, uh and then they did it all in reverse they created all the they created the characters hired the actors photographed them all did all the artwork and then Dave Bailey wrote lyrics for each of these characters, for each of their songs. And then they started to add, uh, he said beats and production came last. Mm -hmm. So it was like lyrics, uh, chords, melodies, and then beats and production last. So they did a whole album in completely reverse. You know, Interesting, most, I didn't know that, yeah. Yeah, most people will start with a beat and, some, and then add lyrics and then do the artwork way later down in the marketing like the stage. the last thing, yeah. They completely flipped it in reverse. I don't know if this was intentional or whether it was part of their process or it was. It's definitely a concept album. I think people have said it's a concept album. Um, yeah, but, and I think um, he was interested in yeah. that. I, I was reading a story about how they were they were touring for their first album, Zaba, mm -hmm. and and he was interested in in you know meeting all these different people in these different cities and and getting to hear some of their stories. And I think he started to write them down. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. and kind of building a log like a kind of journal about I think he recorded them as well like he recorded mm -hmm. these stories with people he met on the road like in US and stuff like that right I, I don't remember it verbatim but he met some woman that was like talking about her drug experiences way back when and she couldn't remember if she actually killed someone or not she might have done or something <laughs> all these kind of crazy shit like that, that I think I think I heard him um, yeah. I'm sorry what I keep I'm getting George Bailey mixed up now that I said that. His name's Dave. Hi, I'm George Bailey. <laughs> George Bailey. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. That was terrible. I lost it now. I had it, <laughs> had it right the first. You know, Jimmy Stewart kind of sounds like, um, oh my God. I forgot his name now. Hmm. Don't stop Maybe. thinking about it. Well, it'll come back to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. He sounds like a more, Nick Nicholas Cage and Jimmy Stewart. Okay, I feel like they talk a little bit of similarities. Way. Yeah, I think Nick Cage has a cool movie coming out in 2021. I want to see. Does he? Which is it's some kind of convoluted thing where he plays himself playing other characters. Excellent. I just heard. I think I saw it on TikTok or something. You know, Nicholas <laughs> Cage either really does really good movies or really shit movies, and he just has, he doesn't care. He just. He, I think he just accepts every job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I have a spot for him in my heart. Like I love I, seeing him on on good movies. I haven't seen some of his worst ones. I love Nicolas Cage. I will watch Nicolas Cage. Movies. Yeah, I'm always waiting for another installment of um, National Treasure. 
Oh yeah, there you go. National treasure. Yeah. I was hoping he was going to show up in some of the news clips of the the raid on the Capitol the other day. <laughs> Is I don't know much. Pressing about in some bricks treasure. or something oh, in okay, the background. Yeah, He's trying they, to figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so anyway, back to glass animals though. Um, I think, yeah, some of the spark was coming from a, a kind of a backwards way. He was learning about all these people's stories, yeah. had his own stories, but he, like we said before, he doesn't really talk about himself too much. So he used that as an opportunity to kind of put all that together and start to tell these human stories. Probably yeah. got, you know, the title is you know, how to be a human being. So he's kind of coming from that kind of, yeah. who am I? Who are they? What yeah. are we? Perspective. Yeah. Um, so it's super cool. Yeah. Um, did you listen to anything off this album? I thought it was pretty good. A little bit different from what they started with. No, I did, yeah. You know, it was a progression from where they came from. Yeah, I did. Uh, um, I have to apologize and, and confess that um, I wasn't able to like chill out with it and listen to it properly. Oh, yeah, no, we got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, Well, actually, maybe it did. No apology I, necessary. Well, here's my error of my ways. <laughs> Is always working on some stuff, and I uh, I listen to the first album just on my headphones as always doing other things, mm -hmm. and I feel like I should have done that with the second album because I ran out of time. So on this one, I kind of skimmed it, but I did. Um, I definitely picked like we kicked off with Life Itself, which is from this album at the top of the show, right? Uh, and then I picked out Mama's Gun and Agnes. Agnes, I think, is a track that Dave Bailey talks about a lot in interviews. I think as being kind of something personal to him kind of thing or something like that i'm not sure if you saw that story but um, i'm not sure if i did yeah okay so yeah i'm sorry say uh, it again agnes is the name of the song it's no it's not almost bells. almost rung a bell but it didn't okay <laughs> maybe it's this it sounds like there's a massive party happening in the background it's still yeah, it's still covid time it's almost a little <laughs> distracting because it's so loud i don't know if anybody can hear that on coming through the recording right now i mean it makes us sound interesting right it makes yeah. us sound like we're, we're a lot actually, of people they're all they're all here for us waiting for an autograph yeah, yeah yeah they're all queuing up they're talking about the show right now yeah yeah so i mean you know yeah. hot stuff here yeah. hot commodity yeah. so this album it's it's a little more um poppy it's it's still funky it's catchy yeah, it's a little more poppy, I think. Yeah. A little more mainstream poppy. It's it's definitely like their EP, their first EP was abstract, I would say. Right. Yeah. And this is not. This is poppy. A little catchy, bit more straightforward. But it's still layered and textured and heavy. Like there's a lot it's, of intricate things. Yeah, they happening. still bring what yeah. Glass Animals brings to the table, which is you know a little bit of funk. Yeah. Like kind of super good grooves, layered production. It's, it's, it's upbeat. It's interesting. The Zabba album they had like a lot more of that sort of exotic feel in separate tracks. Yeah, and that vibe is like not here mm -hmm. in this album. It's like a different thing going on. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. similar. And if you listen to both albums, you can hear the difference, but you can hear yeah. the similarity at the same time. Yeah, and I think that's cool. I think that's a super cool thing for a band to be able to achieve. Yeah, um, that's not super easy to do all the time like do your yeah. same sound in a different way yeah so i think they achieved something really cool with that and they were onto something cool yeah. um it's yeah it's super it's vibrant it's it's colorful it's groovy yeah um still kind of dark lyrics yeah like you know because he's telling these human stories yeah you know and everyone has kind of a dark story you know yeah everyone's coming from weird weird places and everything like that mm -hmm. but it's there's good songwriting, eclectic beats. It's quirky. Yeah. It, it does have some um, of that kind of exotic 
mm-hmm. influence like that song that we played at the beginning has... yeah i guess in the beats and that like yeah they're a little bit this like it, it's sort of tribally sometimes yeah like i don't know what i don't know what that instrument was i don't know if it was sampled or what no, mm. i won't talk about it because i don't know what it is but mm. it sounded cool whatever in the first track we played tonight yeah i don't, remember I don't yeah i don't know what that sample is but it's, it sounded cool yeah. but the production's tight yeah um but it's still lively it's not too clean yeah so yeah still synthy yeah. R- r&b influence yeah as well as you know 2000s hip-hop i guess yeah. but yeah they're talking about humanity the ins and outs of life yeah and I, I think it's a pretty strong record all the way through a little bit more mainstream but still very glass animals very vibey i mean i think it's really good i think it's a solid project mm-hmm. um yeah i feel like yeah having seen everything they've done then i'm not so keen on their latest album i'd like to see what they do after their most recent album because yeah. i think their their most recent album might make more sense to me if they do something else because i feel mm-hmm. like each project they're doing is they're they're doing something different like they're um yeah and that's they're trying, that shouldn't be understated it's, yeah. it's great even if they a band doesn't achieve something and every subsequent album is yeah a great new yeah. level up yeah. like at least they're trying something and they're trying to move in a different direction so i mean i guess we're kind of both vibing on that that the the next album after this one is is not our favorite it's not <laughs> yeah you agree yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i would say the same thing and we, yeah. we talked about about that in a second do you have anything more on how to be a human um that was it just that main story but about how they created it i thought was fascinating in mm-hmm. a really interesting way and you know uh when i think about creating my own music and that and we were talking earlier tonight about doing that um i feel like i want to combine what they did here with how tori imwa does uh uh creates his playlists I kind of want to do a project, but I'm inspired by both of these artists to like, A, create a playlist of songs that will inspire me production-wise and chord-wise and sonically. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to also like go and like photograph things to have visual inspiration. Mm-hmm. And then like match those two and then go create songs based off of that. I feel yeah. like it's like a hybrid kind of inspiration. No, it's totally. just me going crazy right now talking about, thinking about those sorts of things you know when it no, comes that's, to cream music but that, no. yeah that's no. exactly right i think that's kind of what they were doing with with their their perspective on how to go into these new projects is yeah. you know he's looking at humans on the outside like what are these people up to what are they thinking about yeah and then writing about it yeah so you know kind of visualizing these things and he's he's writing this stuff down and journaling journaling and like you said it did it, they did it backwards and did the artwork yeah. before they did the music yeah so like literally kind of building visuals yeah no and, and then creating clever, the audio app and it also was clever i think from a marketing perspective because i think they dropped different single singles and those portraits you know it was a different character each single mm-hmm. is a different person kind of thing and so it kind of like worked from that artistic perspective of releasing it as well like mm-hmm. drops sort of thing but yeah i think that works yeah. really well i've heard yeah. of other artists building their their beats or their music um with a title already in mind like an album title they already have that in their head and they they base these ideas off of that title like a point of reference Mm. or even a song title like "Hmm, here's a a word that i'm interested in or a little small phrase that i'm going to call this song and then i'm going to build beats and music around that idea Mm -hmm. so i think it's a cool perspective to come to the creative table yeah i think it's great 
let's um, uh, spin one of these tracks um, off uh, this off this record. Yeah, before we talk about their most recent one. Okay. I I it, I don't know which one to play. Mama's Gun or Agnes? Agnes. Agnes. All right. Yeah. Pull it up. Here we go. That was uh, boom, baby. Anthemic. Yeah, I mean yeah. that was the final track on the record. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it kind of brings it all home. I get yeah. it, that, it's not my favorite track off the record. I like that first one that we played. Yeah. Um, sure. and I think other tracks maybe even do a better better job. I I, I told you to play Agnes, but <laughs> <laughs> Mama's Gun. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, we might play out on that. Uh, but we'll we want to give everybody a different. Yeah. Um, you know, perspective of different ideas of what these guys are capable of. Yeah. Um, so the big thing to note then between um, that album and their most recent album is uh, the accident that um, their drummer, Joe Seward, was involved in. Do you know? yeah. yeah. So that sounded pretty rough. What I, what I know about it is that he, he was riding his bike mm -hmm. one day in mm -hmm. Oxford. No, I was in Dublin. Oh, I was in Dublin. In Ireland. So they were they were doing a show or um, I don't know on tour or something. I'm not sure if they were on just tour. Just a or if he was day just trip over there doing something. Yeah, that's oh, um, not day trip, boy. I guess you had to fly there, huh? <laughs> it could, mm, uh, this isn't a yeah. ge geography podcast. This is guys. No, we don't even have a map. Either. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so I know. I think he was riding his bike and he got hit by a bus. Uh, is that what you a know? A truck, like a they they call it a lorry in England. A lorry. Okay. But it was not a uh, huge 18 wheeler semi, but like one of the shorter box truck semis. I'm, I'm not Is sure that, how big it was, but um, that, that's what I'm just yeah. describing a lorry as far as I know what a lorry a, is. A lorry is, is pretty large. I think it's a fucking big one. Actually. But not like a huge, long 18 wheel. Just think of the biggest U-Haul you can rent. I think it was that size. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a UPS truck? Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Making light of this, well, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, he uh, he had this massive accident. He was on his bicycle, not a motorbike. I thought it was a motorbike, but it was actually a bicycle because mm -hmm. he likes to bike around. And um, yeah, he was hit, and uh, it was very uh, severe. Yeah, he was in a coma, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. He couldn't talk, he couldn't move, he couldn't do right. anything. Um, so I mean, the scary moment for for him and his family and the band, yeah, obviously, for everyone. And um, and Dave Bailey said he spent every day in hospital by his side, um, in there, didn't see friends, just like stayed there, kind of thing. I mean, um, they were childhood friends. Like that's one of his tight exactly buddies yeah. in life. Yeah, in life, and then obviously uh, to that at that point in time, they'd done two albums and they've toured the world, you know, more than once. Yeah, I mean, that's a tight brothership. That's a tight brothership. And, um, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, Dave was like, he, he, didn't, he didn't know at that point if, you know, which is an interesting thing to actually say, well, I, I mean, in terms of music, like, because we talked earlier about how he produces all the music and band members don't necessarily play on the album. But it was important enough for Dave to like say that he didn't know if Glass Animals would be able to continue. Yeah, that, without, that is huge. Without him, 
and um and he also and beyond that he said he didn't know if uh joe seward would would survive beyond this either sort of thing yeah it was that devastating of a hit yeah and um, no no pun intended there like this is serious like it was really yeah. bad and yeah and he, he had to really rehabilitate he had to relearn to talk yeah relearn to walk so he said he had a um a pivotal operation and then after that operation he regained speech again and then slowly movement kind of thing and uh he and dave said the first thing that joe said to him when he regained his speech was like um i'm gonna need time like is what he said you know but he encouraged him to like go like go make music go do stuff right but but i'm gonna need time to get better kind of thing and so and that's what happened um after that incident um uh, because up until that point they hadn't they'd been kind of going hard with their band yeah yeah you know once they got kind of signed yeah um to adele's producer label and they kind of started playing they started writing came out with these two you know acclaimed albums yeah and they were touring after him in support yeah um and they hadn't had a lot of time off yeah i mean probably not yeah exactly yeah so that was all kind of exacerbated by this um accident yeah and like i'm I'm sure they all could have used a break one way or another yeah um so i think what happened is dave went off to la for a bit and then he made music um some like side projects i think he like produced or did some collaborations with different artists and stuff like that um and uh and uh until until joe got better and then but it's actually it seems so let's see the last album before then was 2016 yeah i think this happened in 2017 maybe 18 right and then 20 and they've come out with this new album in 2020 right um so uh i think well also um dave was bailey was was already writing material you know um had some stuff in the work, some yeah. demos, some ideas. Yeah. So I saw one interview. He actually gave a tour of his little home studio kind of thing in London and uh, saying that uh, he he basically, his bedroom is above his studio. So he'd like sleep and then he'd wake up really late at night and then have it with an idea. And then he'd go down into the studio and then like lay a bunch of ideas down mm-hmm. until he got ran out of energy and then he'd go back to sleep kind of thing right and that's how he wrote like most of the material for this new album it was that way kind of thing um weird sleep patterns again he's an insomniac i guess and, totally uh, doing all that and uh i feel it me too <laughs> uh fun fact oh my god this is there's a lot going on right a lot now. going on there fun fact i didn't sleep last night either so i at Man. this at this point i've been up for more than 24 hours buddy we gotta get some sleep I, I, I just couldn't last night. Um, I think this time of year is weird. And it's I mean, I dark all the time in Seattle. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just, today was like the, the second day that I reset my sleep schedule. Cause I was literally going to sleep at eight or nine P um, AM, AM, eight or nine AM. And then waking up at five or six <laughs> PM. I've been there. And yeah. it's, it's, it's wait, you and wake the, up and in the if dark. If you do that, it's dark. Yeah, you just like live your life in the darkness all the time. I mean, I could not, like it's, wake up in, in the morning and it's already too short of a day. It's already getting exactly, dark at yeah. the 4 PM. So I, I was like in bed at like uh, 3 AM 
And then I was like, I can't sleep. And then, you know, and then it rolled around to 4 a.m. And I was like, I had to be up at like 9 a.m. for a phone call. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to sleep. This if I go to sleep now, I'm going to sleep 12 hours or I'm going to miss that phone call. So, so you stayed up for five hours for so the I, phone? <laughs> I, I laid in bed. I was like watching YouTube videos. And then um, I got up. I, I did my call. I did had another meeting. I fucking... So you're uh, not just eight breakfast. I did a bunch killing of time. You're you're getting stuff done either way. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm. I, I don't know if you have that thing when you stay out for two days in a row. You get that weird. You don't feel right. It feels <laughs> it feels wrong. Something's wrong, and it's me. But like, I'm always like, I get to that point in the day where like I feel wrong. I feel wrong. I feel wrong, and then then just something switches, and it's just like well, okay, I'm normal now ish. I'm still not right, but I'm like not. The schedule goes so far out of whack that you you're like back in whack. Yeah, like back in whack. Yeah, back in whack. I'm back in whack. <laughs> um, I love it. But yeah, no insomnia. I don't really think I have insomnia, but I, I mean, I think are, people say it's I can't just insomnia, but it's 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 bad sleep hygiene or or or. And what I would have, you know, sleep hygiene is like, you know, are you exercising? Are you uh, yeah. staring at a, a screen with blue light right up until you try to fall asleep? You know, stuff like that. Are you drinking enough I, water? I don't think the blue, everyone talks about the screen in your face is a thing. I don't think that's a thing, to be honest with you. Because I feel like if you've had like an exhaustive day physically and mentally, and you're still looking at a screen at night, you'll still fall asleep. I was thinking about that because I've yeah. read about that and people have told me, yeah. you know, online or whatever, like too much blue light. Don't look at a screen half an hour before you go to sleep yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I know people do their jobs. Yeah. Looking at screens. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't, you know, I that's a different discussion, different podcast. I don't think it's a thing. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I definitely know for myself, though if I haven't used my brain enough in the day or I haven't done enough physical activity, like walking around or moving shit around and I'm just not tired, you know, yeah. especially in COVID times, like where you're like quarantined and there's a limit to how much of that type of shit. You not as many do. places to go. Yeah. You just like, you just end up staying, you sleep schedule gets whacked out. Yeah. Fuck. So, so I mean, yeah. I'm, and no, that's what this guy was going through. For yeah. this release, basically. Yeah. Or, or at least when he was writing it. Yeah, he was um, doing all of that. And um, I think and I I think I remember going back to what you said when he was in his room or when he was in his studio and he yeah. was writing most of this album, um, Dreamland, which we're about to talk about. I guess we're yeah. kind of talking about it now. And he was writing a lot of the ideas in the middle of the night with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And then I think he was using a Hofner bass, that kind of Beatles, Paul McCartney style Hofner bass. Yeah, to re-bring back. I foreshadowed Paul McCartney. Oh, that's right. I did that intentionally earlier. He made a note of that? Look, well, that's... No, it was this weird. Guy's thinking ahead. It was weird thought patterns because you went to David Blaine and I was like, oh, David Blaine, Paul McCartney, there's a connection there. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring up We're Paul McCartney We're just bringing it all later. the way around. We planned this, you guys. We planned this. <laughs> um, yeah, the the Hofner bass, which Dave Bailey says is, is, a, is a shitly made instrument. I actually own uh, one as well. Um, not the same. I think I've gotten the honor to play that you a couple have, times yeah. up in, in your other studio. You have. Uh, so there's two Hofner basses. There's like the one that's like the violin shape, mm -hmm. which is the one that um, that Dave Bailey has and also the one that Paul McCartney played. And then there's like another shaped one, which is the one I have. I don't know what the shape of it is kind of thing, but it has the same sort of sound. And it's that basically it's kind of a, 
it's like a, an acoustic-y sort of bass. Well, you've played it, right? How would you describe it? Like, uh, kind of, it's definitely got like a gritty sort of sound, right? Like, you know, uh, like a, in, I look at the, I think about the dynamic between like that bass and how he says it's shittily made. Mm -hmm. And like, if you play that and you hold it, it's lighter, mm -hmm. it's smaller. Mm -hmm. It feels almost like an, a, it's like, like it feels like a, a yeah, it feels like yeah. a hollow body or it feels like, you're playing like a ukulele as opposed to a guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's that kind of relation. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. You know, yeah. you plug it in, it has a nice tone though, and it's cool. Yeah, yeah. But I think about the relationship between a like a Fender precision jazz bass. Well, that was, see, when I was buying basses, like I did all my research. Uh, a lot of that research was also like figuring out what certain artists were playing on records kind of thing. And the Fender P bass is the one that is like used a lot. And, uh, Probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and and then the Hofner was the other one. And it, for me, it came down to uh, this the French band Air, mm. and uh, and he was talking about uh, the bases he used on like Moon Safari and, and some of those early uh, Air albums. They said he only used the Fender P bass and Hofner. Really? Um, yeah. Cool. And I was like, well, the P bass is like two grand, and the Hofner <laughs> is like six hundred dollars. So. <laughs> I know which one I'm going for. Yeah. You know. Um, Both are valuable for different reasons. Different sounds, but uh, still, for me, the Hoffman has that um, earthy, gritty bass sound. Yeah, just yeah. a little more down and dirty. And the, like the P bass is more smooth and round and, mm -hmm. you know, whereas the, the Hoffner is like, the Hoffner is something that you would do like a serge gainsbourg and if you know him like type okay where you like sort of mute the strings and do yeah that. kind of pluck them with your thumb a little bit mute it and do the pick sort of sound right like, yeah get that kind of clicky yeah, sound yeah, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. kind of boomy sound it's also really, it's a really great guitar for the doing that sort yeah. Of sound, yeah no i love it yeah um but yeah so you're saying on this new album he wrote he came up with his original ideas on that hofner violin bass and an acoustic guitar he said he wrote all of those things on those two instruments and then he used all of the other gear in his studio. And the other thing he was saying about this is uh, he was inspired by um, uh, like uh, very two separate sounding things, like Beach Boys mm -hmm. and Beatles sounding tracks, and then uh, Timberland and Dr. Dre. Yeah. So he used the instruments and all the preamps in his studio to create that sort of organic Beach Boys Beatles sound. And then use the samplers. Um, the, and I think he went out and looked create, for the same samplers yeah. and the same equipment that. Yeah, you got the same equipment. Like these modern producers like Timbaland were using. Yeah, yeah. So he equipped himself in his studio specifically with these with this gear to. You know that high dynamic. Like I want mm -hmm. the sound of this Hofner bass that the Beatles used, but I want the the latest equipment that Timbaland's using for these tracks yeah, that yeah. he's yeah. doing in the two thousands and, yeah. and on. So I mean that's super cool. I like to see that. Like. Going yeah. back to, yeah. to look forward, like yeah. a yeah. Adrian Young kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are these guys doing back in the 60s and 70s that I can bring up to, to now and, and utilize that, that use technique? It, use it in a modern way. Super cool. With a modern perspective, outlook sort of shit. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah, you start throwing all these names together. Paul McCartney, Adrian Young, Timbaland, Beach Boys. Like, you're just... Let's bring it all together. We've and I think that's such a cool thing. We've mentioned Beach Boys more than once as well. Yeah. On, on the series it. so far. And there's so many connections mm -hmm. to make between all the people we're talking about. But um, yeah. Uh, but the thing is that sort of bums me out a little bit. Is I, I just couldn't 
I couldn't get a hook into this latest album. Um, it was too sort of poppy for me. It's definitely more mainstream. It's poppy. Yeah, it's There's like, a lot of trappy kind of trappy kind of beats. Um, yeah. It's still kind of got that al indie alternative, um, you know, overtone over the whole thing because that's kind of what bl gl Glass Animals bring to the table. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. There's, there's a lot of, you know, awareness, kind of heart wrenching. Well, that was the other thing lyrically about this album is he, they said it's the very first time that he has written, uh, about instead of up creating characters and writing about other people, he's writing about his mm -hmm. own experiences and everything like that. Right. Uh, and in fact, he used some samples of home recordings where his mom is talking to him as a kid. Yeah. yeah. And as, as small, short interludes throughout the album as well. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of taking that full on. And I like how this guy is like, let's go fully. Like, I'm going to write stories about humans and make, make up these stories and write songs about him. And on this album, I'm going to totally be like, what, what am I feeling? Who am I as a person? And, and talk about the, the intrapersonal stuff. Yeah. And kind of, you know, go full at that. Um, yeah. you know, to the point of using home recordings, which is cool. And I think his mom didn't even like them at the first time when he showed them. Yeah, she hated it. She, she didn't like it. Was shit. It's like, and, don't, uh, I don't want to sound like that. I don't like how I sound. Don't put that on the album. And he was like, I can put reverb on it. I can <laughs> and it was like, it. she ended up eventually being okay with it, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and also he said about that, yeah, he like, he used her, like, her voice in these interludes and he wrote specific interlude music, background music. And it was mostly also because he said like a lot of the tracks didn't, he felt didn't flow into each other naturally. So, mm. which is also the purpose of creating the interlude. Right. To create that sort of bridge, mm -hmm. um, which is again, here we go talking about albums again. I think it's very interesting because I feel like a lot of music listeners are always about like, oh, I like this track. I like this track. I like this track. People cherry picking. Yeah. Cherry picking. They don't listen to albums, but then we're constantly, even in 2020 and 2021, talking about these artists that are actually crafting albums specifically. He, he created these interludes specifically. So you could, could listen yeah, to so the that, whole album. Like, that means know, something to him. And I think that's still the, the, the idea of an album or even like how to be a human being. He's kind of still taking on this kind of, can I make a concept? Like not necessarily a concept album, like fully, but like, can I at least kind of do a concept album? Yeah. Not a lot of people do these concept albums these days, but at least if you can make a, a an album, as we all know, albums to be kind of a fully realized project meant to be listened yeah. to all the way through. It depends what you call a concept. I feel like every album is a concept album. That's like, that's kind of why I stopped talking about it because it was like, yeah. how do you how do you define that? Because there's different levels of what you it could is. Call Dr. Dre, two thousand and one, a concept album, right? Because of the way it all ties together. If you listen. Eminem's albums, like he had all these interludes and shit. A lot yeah. of these rappers have like a lot of interludes, like uh, Andre 3000, all that. They had yeah, everything tight, you know. It's like, and there was a story where, oh, there's a really po poignant one I can think of. Wycliffe Jean came out of an album hmm. um, from the Fugees, obviously. Uh, he, it was the album uh, where one of the tracks was Gone Till November. I don't uh -huh. know if you remember that I'm one. I'm not familiar. Before. And uh, yeah, and, and and the interludes and between all the songs were like some courtroom drama happening. It was like really comical. Like it sounded like a movie soundtrack, mm -hmm. like the way he recorded it and everything like that. So I'll have to check that out. That's cool. So I feel like 
Yeah, I don't know about concept album as a, as a term. I feel like every album is sure. is, a, is a body of work. It's a story. But I think, know, like, yeah, yeah, more generally, I think a lot of big artists that are really successful today still kind of care about the making a body of work that's meant to be mm -hmm. an all-in-one kind of package that you can consume all together. Hopefully, if you can spend... You yeah. know, 45 minutes to an hour instead of just singles. I think maybe because also like, you know, you, you spend that amount of time to create that. It's like your movie, you know, but you're a musician. Your mm -hmm. album is your right. movie. And then, you know, once you've made it, then you can go out and tour it. And I was thinking about it, that. Like, it's like, cool. Like Breaking Bad's a great show and you can watch episode one and be enveloped in it and be like, cool, that was good. Or any one of the episodes in any one of the seasons. Yeah. But you're going to get more out of it, and it's going to be more fulfilling to watch all of the all of the episodes in a season. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. it's very much the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, there it is. Yeah. So Dreamland. I mean, what do you think? I I listened to it. It's it's pretty cool. There's one of the highlights is um, the track Tokyo Drifting, which features Denzel Curry. I thought that was super cool that they they featured him. Yeah, because it is kind of a. a no, I mean he's a rapper. I'm not super familiar with him. Yeah, I'm not. I know his name. But, I'm not really familiar right. with him. Yeah, so he's good. It's a cool. He dropped some cool bars, yeah. um, and it's a fun track. Yeah, and it's a cool um, dynamic for Glass Animals to. I think that might wrap themselves up in might have been a single that they put out. Uh, the, yeah. actually the two ones out of this whole album I picked were Domestic Bliss and Tangerine. Tangerine's um, cool. Um, should we play a little bit for the listeners so we they can get a little bit of an insight into this album? Yeah, give them a little, give them a little taste, teaser. What do you think, Tangerine? Tangerine. All That's right. a good one. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's a good track, but it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's far away from uh, what they were doing. This album, Dreamland, it's a little bit vapid for me. Yeah, I would agree. It's fine. Yeah, I think I I I'm gonna listen to the stuff they come out with next, and yeah. I feel like they'll go back into a, a better direction. Is my hope. I hope so. I thought like it was a similar thing with Warpaint. I don't know if you agree with uh, their previous albums and then to their most recent one where they yeah. sort of went a little bit too poppy and a little bit too... I mean, that's kind of the, the, yeah. the cliche, like, oh, you're making cool music, you're a cool artist, and then, oh, well, you got to get signed so you can really get out there and have your stuff published and yeah. advertised and marketed. And then it, it's like, well, we want to make more money. We want to get more fans, right? Well, let's let's have a little bit more of a poppy track. Well, I think I, I heard someone talk about this recently. I can't remember who it was, but um, they were basically talking about the the notion of um, uh, a lot of artists. Um, oh, who was it? I, th I think it was Adrian Young, actually, um, saying that um, if you forget um about if you stop listening to yourself when you're making music and you start to sort of externalize and think about what I should do and what I should create kind of thing mm -hmm. it sort of messes you up like if you get a certain amount of fame kind of thing then you start instead of like internalizing and thinking about what you want to make you you start listening to what's out out there and what other people are doing and what you should make and what you should make and you start comparing yourself to what's out there kind of thing and um yeah i think it was definitely adrian young that said this mm -hmm. and um and he was saying that 
you know, he doesn't do that. He always just goes back to himself, you know. Um, right. Like, you know, what what is the music I want to create? What what you know, what am I into? What makes me happy kind of thing? And yeah, it's obviously very hard if you you know, to straddle that line. Some artists can do it and get through it. Um you know, like Radiohead, you know, or you know, they um they were really popular mainstream mainstream popular playing rock with guitar music yeah. and then they they morphed and they they went off and did their own thing mm -hmm. even maybe muse i don't know if you sure. know much about muse but sure. um, yeah. when the muse came out um their first album was around the same time of radiohead's first album and they were just a three-piece rock band mm -hmm. like you know so we'd had nirvana we'd had like everclear we had all these like three-piece rock bands type thing and then Radiohead came out with their first album, and then Muse came out with it. And Muse were very indie rock; like their image was like Nirvana, like, right? And then they morphed, and now they're like some stadium crazy rock band. Or yeah, I mean, they've <laughs> but, yeah. That's yeah. a whole story on its yeah. own. They're they're yeah. a cool band. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, but they found what they wanted to do. I think mm -hmm. and they latched onto it, and um, yeah, and I I feel like it's. Um, I'm not saying this is what Glass Animals have done. I feel like there's other factors at play here. I think this album was probably made whilst Joe Seward was still recovering, uh, you know, from his accident and everything. And um, and Dave Bailey was, you know, maybe not wrongly, but he was maybe like, let's, let's toy with experimenting with this sound. Because he was also totally. like collaborating with some like rappers and stuff like that in between the last album sort of thing and um, that's totally fair i mean so, yeah. things are happening in your life and it's yeah. crazy and yeah. still i'm gonna try something new try to you know i'm glad they came out with new music i'm always happy even if i don't like an artist's new album yeah i'm still glad that they came out with something and that yeah there i know that those people are are people are humans like me yeah. and they're they're still going through stuff and they're still trying to make music for whatever reason that is or well, the other part of it as well and this is not the case for me right now with glass animals because I just discovered them. Right. But it is the case for me with other artists like DJ Sado, for example, where, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of his old catalog mm -hmm. and now his newer stuff. I'm like, eh, I, I'm not sure. And I think, you know, maybe part of that is on me as a listener because I, um, still kind of nostalgic or, or latched on to a certain sound and i'm the one that's not evolving as the, <laughs> yeah, list, as interesting. the listener you know it is good to look back at yourself and reflect yeah. that and be like well maybe it's me yeah maybe it's me like i'm i'm not evolving like i'm i'm stuck in my own maybe my musical i want to hear this yeah yeah my my um, musical library is stagnant so i would say that that is a possibility but i will say that for me that's not the case with glass animals i feel like the same way i do about dj shadow as i latest stuff was i do about glass animals where and i just discovered them and i and i heard this first album and i was like well i don't know what jesse's giving me right now i was like <laughs> yeah I, I know jesse like his pop music but i don't know about this and but then, you <laughs> but you went back to these but the, i went the, back the first albums of glass yeah, animal yeah. zaba and the yeah the album in particular yeah the album before that i thought okay 
Okay, it's getting better. It got for me their repertoire got better the more I went back in time. Right. Maybe it's their thing because they did that whole album where they did it all in reverse, and so now they're maybe doing their entire catalog in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think know. I think I hope we did a good job of showing what these people are capable of and what they've sure, done, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that I think they they have a plenty of uh, you know a, a huge musical um, career ahead of them. Like I want to yeah. hear more stuff from these guys. I want to see where they go. I don't think this last album was it didn't hit for me. The difference. I'm just saying for me. Well, it's I'll, good stuff, and it, like overall, I'm impressed. You know, I'm, well, I'll, it's hard to say like. That's a bad album. I'll also, but, I'll also throw this out here. Uh, when Radiohead did Kid A, a uh-huh. bunch of people said, what the fuck is that? Well, I remember. I mean, they yeah. went to the studio and they were like, hey, here's our new album. And play the first three songs. There's no guitars. Yeah. And the studio's like, you guys are a rock band. Yeah, yeah. You didn't, there's no guitars? But, what is this? Um, but I, I keep alluding to it in different episodes, but I remember when I first got the Kid A album and... Um, and when I listened to it, because I hadn't heard, you know, I, I pre-ordered the CD when it came out. Yeah. And then it got released and it got delivered to my door. And that I hadn't heard, you know, it was, it was before they really didn't release anything off of it. You know, this is the first time I heard it was playing the album. And I, I really liked it. Um, and, you know, but a lot of people at the time were like, yeah, this is a completely weird direction for Radiohead to go in all electronica and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, and they've, and they went away from that and they sort of come back to it a little bit and they, uh-huh. and they sort of flirted back with, with those sounds of today yeah. throughout after that. Um, so, you know, but that's the thing, like, you know, I'm, I'm saying, this lightest glass animals album doesn't really hit me, but I'm not discounting them. I I really love everything that's come before this, and I want to totally. see what they do next. Totally. So, um. Yeah. So yeah. we're very much on the same page. We're, yeah. I'm super happy about. That's super yeah. cool because I don't know what you knew about this band. Yeah. Um. Before I brought it up. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's what this is all about: discovering new stuff and and seeing what what what's possible. There you go. So let's uh play out then um <laughs> with Mama's Gun. Give me Mama's Gun. Um, I mean, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is uh, yeah, Roots to Grooves. Roots to Grooves. Uh, give us that email that you can hit us up on if you guys have any um, stories about glass animals or any corrections or um, you know any cool stories or anything you got. Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com. Uh, write to us. Yeah, or uh, leave a comment on YouTube. Just and say what's up. Hit us up. Yeah. We'd love to hear from anybody. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode when this party... We're going to... Let's go Let's go crash the party, yeah, Jesse. We're going to go crash the party, all right, all right, guys? All right. See you guys later. Bye. This is Jesse Quigley, Jay Purcell, Rooster Grooves. Later, guys. Yeah. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.